0: Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united, nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We inform, equip, and train so you can prepare, respond, and recover from any man made or natural disaster or situation. And as September is approaching, It is National Preparedness Month, and are we excited over here to really bring you some amazing content with tremendous amounts of value. Obviously, we would be very excited if you joined the American Contingency Network over at our website, AmericanContingency.com. Being a member is super easy. It's a few clicks of a button. For less than it costs for a fast food value meal every single month, you could be a member of one of the fastest growing and largest nationwide communities of people who are looking to be prepared and ready for situations. And the team has been having a lot of conversations over the last month about what we can do to bring a ton of value to our members and our future members as far as. Being prepared, and what does that mean, and what does that look like, and what would that feel like? And one of the things that Tom has brought up a lot, and I believe he's the first one who coined it within the team, and now it's just sort of become a mantra, is this idea of are you prepared for any given Tuesday? And what we mean by that is just the regular old day, any old day that could just come about that isn't one of these catastrophic, cataclysmic type of events. Because we know about the catastrophic and the cataclysmic events. In fact, when... It was The idea of this Any Given Tuesday was brought up in a meeting recently. Uh, Lori, who you met back, I think, on episode five or six or something of that nature, she's on the team. So is Denny G. He's our lead training coordinator. Uh, there's another member who I've not introduced to you all yet, so I'll keep her as a mystery guest, and she'll come on down the road. And, of course, you know Tom because he was in the first four episodes. And so when Tom said any given Tuesday, Lori was like, wow, you know, how interesting that we're using the term any given Tuesday, considering what, what happened on a Tuesday here in the United States. And my brain immediately connected with what she was referencing. It was 9-11. It was a Tuesday morning. And I thought as we were going through this process of being prepared for any given Tuesday, my brain started to sort of conjure up all of these events that have happened in, let's just go the modern times since World War II. That if you were alive for those, then you absolutely remember where you were for those. The nuclear bombs going off to end World War II. If you were alive back then, you absolutely know where you were back then. Um, JFK or MLK being assassinated, you absolutely are going to know where you were at for those events. Perhaps even when Ronald Reagan was attempted to be assassinated, you would remember where you were for that. The moon landing, totally you're gonna remember where you were for that. When the Challenger exploded or when Discovery exploded. When a certain president got on television and said he did not have sexual relations with that woman, you probably remember where you were for that. Not a very great day for our nation or our president at the time, but definitely something that people remember. 9-11, we all know where we were when we first heard that, when we first saw the images on the television. Maybe you remember where you were whenever the stock market collapsed that one day and just fell thousands of points, and we were like, wow, what just happened right now back in the 08, 09 time? Uh, I definitely remember where I was when President Obama had gone on television and announced that Osama bin Laden had been assassinated. I definitely know where I was whenever I first heard that COVID was starting to shut things down. In fact, I believe it was the country of Italy that was first to shut itself down. And I remember very distinctly seeing somebody um, of their administration saying, you know, why are we being punished for shutting ourselves down? We're losing all these tourists. We're losing all this money. Because at the time, it was seen more as a nuisance than it was seen as this worldwide event that was going to shut the entire planet down for months on end. There are things that we remember where we were at. If you were in Southern Florida, then you're going to remember where you were for Hurricane Andrew. If you were in Louisiana, then you're going to remember where you were for Katrina. If you were in California, then you're going to remember where you were for the Northridge earthquake. Uh, What about the people in the Northeast when they lost that electricity in like 15 different states because like some branch hit some power line in Ohio and showed the vulnerability of our grid? Like There are things that happen in our lives where we remember where we were when those things happened some are national or maybe even worldwide remembrances, and others are just more localized to our community. But it's more memorable when an event happens that is remembered and recalled by a vast majority of the population. But on any given Tuesday, natural things are going to just happen in your life that not everybody is even going to notice, let alone care about. Um, I had this saying back when I worked in the hospitality industry for those years, that a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. And there's a lot of things that are going to happen in our lives that are up to us to have plans for, around because we understand the extreme man-made disasters, the industrial accidents, the train that wrecked in Ohio that spilled all the chemicals into the river, and that was a major catastrophe that we were talking about for months. If a cyber attack or a terrorism attack happens like 9-11, we are all going to remember that. Major power outages that spread for you know days and weeks on end, then we understand those very well. Civil unrest especially back whenever we were having a lot of the riots. I mean, American contingency was born out of what was going on in Portland a handful of years back. So we understand these extreme ones. The extreme Mother Nature events, the earthquakes, the hurricanes, depending on when you're listening to this, California just had Tropical Storm Hillary run through, and now they're calling it a hurricane, because at the same time Hillary was running through, dropping the rain, um, Ohio had a 5.0 earthquake on the Richter scale. And they may have changed some of that. It might be a 5.2 now, but not important as much as they literally were having a tropical storm slash hurricane roll through at the same time that an earthquake hit. Wildfires. We've got Hawaii and the tragedy that's happening on Maui. We've got what's going on in Canada with the wildfires and what generally just happens in the Rockies and in the Southwest with wildfires. You know, flooding could be happening now in the southwest because of the rains that came with Hillary, and we're very well aware of the flooding that can happen along all of the major river systems over here in the SEC, the southeastern area in the Midwest. Tornadoes, we're all very familiar with Tornado Alley in the United States, not to mention any other community that can be hit by them. We understand the extreme events. These are the ones that we're more prone to be prepared for because when they come down the pike they bring major catastrophes with them. But when we start looking at the moderate and the mundane man-made and natural disasters, the data breaches, like when Target got hit and all of the like, 90 million people's personal information got snagged, um, traffic accidents that make us late to airports and make us late to work, uh, workplace disputes that just make the whole environment at work toxic. like These are issues that we face in our day-to-day lives, but are we prepared for how we can maneuver through these? We have public transportation disputes. I know um, not all of them off the top of my head, but there have been some major cities with some strikes recently in that sector where people have wanted, you know, a better pay or better work environment. And those kind of disruptions can really mess with everybody's life. I remember when New York City has had trash strikes before and it's not too long, I mean, literally just a few days before the entire city is just covered in garbage. In fact, Tom once had uh, somebody, I think, I believe it was from Vice, ask him a question about, you know, a major city like New York, what would be the biggest thing that they should be worried about? And he's like, oh, garbage. And the person was not necessarily as thrilled. That wasn't the flash bulb. That wasn't the fancy answer. But garbage brings with it. disease and vermin and rats and roaches, and, and next thing you know, you've got just a cataclysmic effect to the community simply because garbage can't get picked up off the street. Gas leaks, something that is relatively harmless when found early enough. In The other day, I'm watching Instagram reels, and somebody's ring on their front door recorded a house down the street, exploding, and at the time they believed it was a gas leak, and I haven't researched it further before I brought it up on this show, but literally this house just explodes. A tragedy, amongst tragedies, a whole family killed, and all of the people around there, imagine what happened to their lives and their homes, what else was going on around that house that caused that to explode, who others' lives have been affected beyond just the ones who perished in the disaster. Of course, we understand the moderate Mother Nature-related unforeseen events, thunderstorms. We can have some pretty hellacious ones here in North Alabama. And our backyard is lower than the surrounding houses. So we can accumulate two to three inches of rain very quickly in our backyard. And next thing you know, the girlfriend's over here thinking we need to start getting the sandbags around the patio because the water starts creeping up on us pretty fast. Yeah, next thing you know, you've got whole streets getting washed out with all the mud and just clogging up and maybe you can't leave your home if something even worse were to happen inside your house during the thunderstorm. The other day I'm driving around after a major thunderstorm and there's power lines over roads and trees. I barely could leave my area. Snowstorms, anybody in the Northeast? I mean, if you have moved to Buffalo, recently and not experienced a snowstorm up there. No doubt, if you ask around, what should you be prepared for when winter comes, you've heard of snowstorms. It's like they can get like four feet up there in like a night. We've got heat waves rolling through the southwest in Texas. I mean, I believe Phoenix was seeing over 110 degrees, like 30 days straight before Hurricane Hillary swept in with some cooler air. Minor earthquakes. 5.0 might sound small to people who have not been in an earthquake, but I can assure you, you are seeing swimming pools slosh, and you are definitely seeing things fall off your wall with a 5.0 earthquake. But there are minor earthquakes that are happening around other regions of the United States simply because of the way humans are interacting with the ground or, you know, just the earth does what the earth does. So the moderate ones that pop up perhaps a little bit more often, but are we prepared for those? Do we have the water for the heat waves? What happens if it's a rolling blackout during a heat wave? And next thing you know, you cannot be inside your house because it got so hot so fast. Do you have a way of cooling yourself off? Do you know where you could drive in your local area to maybe get to a store or a library that had some air conditioning for a little while so that you could go about working from your computer and just not being home while you don't longer have electricity during a heat wave? And then there's the mundane ones that I don't think a lot of people put thought into until they happen and they realize what a nuisance they are. And I really call these more of like the nuisance accidents. I'm not all of them. Uh, When I go through, I don't want to downplay any of these that you may have experienced that were substantially more than a nuisance. But for me, losing my wallet or my phone, it's a bit of a nuisance. You got to get a new driver's license. You got to cancel all your credit cards. Do you have the phone numbers from the back of your credit cards written down somewhere so that you can call those places and cancel them? What do you keep in your wallet? I hope it's not your social security card because that's really difficult to replace. Is your birth certificate kept in a safe place? In your home, you should be keeping all of those items in a waterproof box that is easy to grab in case you need to evacuate in a hurry. Because the last thing I want to deal with after something tragic happens within my life is trying to figure out how to get my birth certificate back, where's all my insurance papers, Because you're going to want a copy of your policy because you never know what you're going to have to call and you never know if the insurance company is going to be forthright. So there's certain paperwork you want to make sure you have on top of just the lost wallet, lost purse. All the things that a woman keeps in her purse, I've definitely seen some women lose some purses and it's like the annoyances that they have to go through to replace those items after the fact are a tremendous. We're talking hours upon hours. When the internet goes down, temporary disruptions in internet con- connectivity can affect our remote work, our online transactions, our access to information. What if there's a banking glitch? A lot of us do our banking now online. So when there's technical issues with the banking system, right now that can prevent access to our funds, it can disrupt transactions we need to keep our lives humming along, it can lead to a financial uncertainty, which brings with it stress and anxiety. A car breakdown We talk about car breakdowns a lot, and this isn't something that you can necessarily have every single avenue prepared for. But when you think about a vehicle breaking down and missing your appointments and your work delays and such, yes, you can have jumper cables. You can have a tire repair kit, one of those cans where you can put it up on the nozzle and it blows in the foam and fills the air up so you can get somewhere. But do you have an emergency blanket to block yourself from the sun or to keep you warm if it's cold? Do you have enough water to keep everybody in, that could be in the car hydrated for the next four to 24 hours? There's a lot of things that come with a car breakdown, even a med kit. It doesn't have to necessarily be you know, one of these EMT med kits that would show up in an ambulance, but certainly if the car breaks down and somebody gets injured along the side of the road, are you prepared to help? Are you ready to do something about that? When we look at the mundane mother nature ones, the allergies, the pollen that sets in, how that just general discomfort. What about if somebody's allergic to nuts, let's say? Peanuts is a big one. Do we have EpiPens available? If somebody needs insulin, do we have methods of keeping the insulin um, below 86 degrees Fahrenheit so that it doesn't go bad? Are we thinking about when we travel, keeping it between that 59 to 86? And do we have contingency plans in place in case our primary way of keeping that insulin chilled no longer works? If you live in a uh, region that's very wet, you could be looking at black mold infestations. Right? Once that's inside of a home, major health problems, property damage, cleanup efforts, that is a huge, huge financial burden, not to mention a humongous annoyance. Pet health emergencies. What happens if you are on a hike and your dog gets bit by a spider or a snake or gets injured? Are you prepared to figure out how to get your dog to the vet as fast as possible so that it lives? Because we don't just see our dogs and our cats and our other pets as animals. We see them as family members. What are the contingencies in place for the animals? Are water supply disruptions, temporary dis- disruptions in water supply whether it's because of maintenance or contamination, can disrupt our cooking, our cleaning, our personal hygiene routines. I mean, Flint, Michigan's been going through something now for almost a decade because of the lead pipes, and I think it's legionella bacteria. It's yeah, not off the top of my head, but I know that there's a bacteria in the water as well as issues there. And one of the reasons we came up with all of the categories wasn't just for the majors. Right. We're talking to heavy hitters like the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the terrorist attacks. But it is these any given Tuesday kind of events. And that's what we really want to begin to highlight as we move through National Preparedness Month is what is it you can just generally have that will prepare you for a lot of situations? Because there are some supplies within each category that once had will prepare you for the general. Yeah, I mean, if your car breaks down, right, I mean, are you mostly thinking about having beef jerky and protein shakes in your car so that you can stay <laughs> nutritioned up while you're waiting for AAA? Do you even know how to change a flat tire? Like, it's been years since I've done it, but I was very adept at it back in the day. Now I do have AAA, and, you know, because I live in a city, they're there in 20 minutes, and I'm like, yeah, let them deal with it. i am just gonna sit in the car in the air conditioner. But push comes to shove, I know exactly how to change a tire. I learned on more than one occasion, if you don't set the parking brake, then the car will wobble while it's up on the, um, the little lift and it will uh, fall off the lift and it will crash to the ground and that will be a big painful annoyance as well. So you want to make sure you set the parking brake so that the car doesn't shift back and forth. And of course, you want it on a stable surface as well. Um, but let's go through some of these categories and just think about general preparedness. When I talk about food and water. I bring up stocking up on water a lot. And then I will go over to somebody's house or I'll ask them, you know, how much water do you just keep in your garage or do you keep somewhere in the home that's, you know, air conditioned, that's, you know, where it's good. You're ready to go and drink it. It's not a lot. Buying two or three of those 24 bottle packs at a big box store and storing them in your garage is not going to carry you through days and days and days. And if something happens within your community and you need to purify the water, do you have the ability to do that? Do you have a pot or a pan that would allow you to boil it on your grill? Do you even have a grill? How easy would that be to set up? Is it charcoal versus gas? Do you have some water purification tablets that you can drop in? I know I used to have chlorine tablets that I carried on my motorcycle in case I found myself needing water so bad that I was pulling it out of a river and I couldn't start a fire. I'm like, okay, well, at least this would do some level of killing pathogens and bacteria. Like I remember, it wasn't just chlorine. It was this little liquid vial thing that you could put drops into and it would make the water better if you needed to pull it out of a river because we don't know where that river water is sourced from. So we want to be prepared. We want to be thinking about not only stocking up on our water, but how would we purify it if we needed to? Do we have a cooking method? And have we tested those cooking methods? Because not going out and testing your camping gear for a year may not be a big deal if you haven't gone camping in a while. But if you're thinking, don't worry, I've got that camping stove. That'll work perfectly if I run out of electricity and I need to heat up some water. And then you go out there and you find out that the little tanks are empty or that they've dried out. You want to make sure that you're thinking about the water. And like Mike Lott discussed when he came on the show, you don't just want to be eating beans and rice. You want to be thinking about some staples that you can have in the house, something that you could, you know, first in, first out kind of idea where you might be just buying some of your favorites and putting them in a plastic bin in the garage or somewhere in your pantry. And then, you know, if six months goes by, you rotate those chips or those little tasty treats back into the normal food supply, and then you just go back out and you just buy some of the chips and put them, you know, replenish so that things are fresh. This is a really a great idea if you find that certain stores do certain sta- sales where now all of a sudden like your favorite chips are, you know, buy five bags, get them for two ninety nine. And in an inflationary market where all of my chips that I love so dearly, they've cut the bag sizes down by five ounces just to keep the price at the same rate. A family size bag now is the same size as a regular used to be before this shrinkflation thing started. So you can be thinking about food and water, just, I mean, you know, when our next door neighbor's house got hit by lightning and we didn't have electricity for 12 hours, right? We had things that we could nibble on and eat without having to open up the refrigerator. Have you thought about that? Because if the electricity's out and you don't have a generator, you do not want to open up that fridge. It can maintain temperature for, depending on how well your seal is, you know, for 12 to 24 hours, it can maintain a very good temperature. And the freezer can keep things cold for up to 72 hours, again, depending on whether you've got a side-by-side stand-up fridge or whether you've got one of those uh, freezers where it's the pull-out drawer at the bottom or the top. That's certainly going to make a big difference if you have to open it up, but you better open it up and close it quick. We were very, very quick, less than five seconds. We opened up the freezer, took out the ice maker and uh, closed the freezer door back up because we realized that as the ice started to melt, it would come through the little ice machine thing on the front and it would leak all over the floor. So that was a big, how to get that done. That do you have a way of getting a hold of food items that don't require you to open up the refrigerator or the freezer so that you can keep everything that's in there? As fresh as possible, because you don't really know how long it's going to be until the electric comes back on. When we when we talk about shelter or warmth, it's easy to say, "Well, I've got firewood, so if the electricity goes out, I can start up a fire." But what happens if all your wood's wet and you can't start up a fire? Do you have emergency blankets? Do you have somebody's house that you could go to who perhaps it, it does have electricity? Do you have alternative heating sources? When I was talking with the team about when the electricity went out and I was like, yeah, we had a ton of candles, but I didn't want candles lit up over my house. Having rooms with candles just burning with nobody paying attention to them is an opportunity for an accident with fire. The last thing I want while we're going through a major thunderstorm, next door neighbor's house hit by lightning and no electricity is also be dealing with a bedroom on fire. So having alternative lighting sources as well as heating sources within my shelter is extremely important to me. Electric blankets don't work when there's no electric, but I'll promise you I've got 15 different blankets and I've also got those emergency ones. Not only in my car trunk, so if my car does break down, I can block the sun or I can keep myself warm if it's extremely cold, but they're also very useful in the home. A lot of people don't necessarily pay attention to the seasons shifting and how their home can be worked on and be made sure. There's going to be a lot of rain in spring in certain areas and a lot of snow in the winter. How do you need to prepare your house? When we talk about our health and we talk about our medical, a lot of people are really gung-ho about discussing health as far as first aid kits and medical skills and developing a health management plan for anybody in the house. But what about your own personal body? Like, are you monitoring your own health? If you were to find yourself in a difficult situation, would you physically be able to participate in getting yourself to safety? Or if there was multiple people all working for the same goal to get themselves to safety, would you be the anchor in that group? Not the anchor in a good way, but would you be the one dragging them back and holding them down because you're physically not as fit to be able to handle you know, the terrain or the walking or the moving through the heavy humidity or the heavy snowfall? Our bodies are the vessel for which we get ourselves to safety, to get ourselves to a place of stability. We want to be paying attention to how many steps have we walked today. How far could we walk if we had to walk really far? in any given day for a reason? Do we even have shoes that we could get a hold of on the quick if we had to get out of our house and find ourselves in a situation where what we're wearing is all we get to wear for days upon days? Yeah, those are the big cataclysmic ones. But if you find yourself just on any given day, car breakdown, do you have a pair of shoes that you might have to walk two miles to get a gas can because there's nobody around? It's on those times where it's like you're looking down and you're in dress shoes or heels and you're like, well, I did not prepare as well as I could have. Keeping an old pair of sneakers in the trunk isn't that big of a deal. If you, when, But I'll tell you what, when you need those in a bind, it's going to be huge that they're there. Mental health is humongous. It's really interesting to me that the two things that I care about the most, addiction recovery and preparedness, both have their National Awareness Months in September. I run a podcast called From Sobriety to Recovery as well for my other business outside of American Contingency, and I'm planning on doing a whole bunch of stuff there because addiction often stems from mental health imbalances and things that can be worked on and shifted. And so whenever I start to talk about health, I'm very up on this idea of what are we doing about our mental health? How are we working through these Any Given Tuesday kind of situations so that we can bounce back and get on our merry way with our lives? Because losing a wallet or a purse or having a car breakdown and having to walk two miles with no shoes on because all we had was dress shoes or high heels that rubbed a you know sore on our back of our heel in ten minutes, right? Now we're finding ourselves in a very, very unwelcoming position. And then we've got to deal with all of the different emotions that come with that as we move forward with it. It's just to me very interesting how many people will think about the things that are huge, but not think about the things that are small when those are the ones that will often cause them a tremendous amount of strife and break up their day. If the entire community is going through a torrential storm or an earthquake, then everything is canceled. Everybody is shut down. But when you have a minor little tragedy in your life that is very much a major one in your life, but to the rest of the community, they're just like, yeah, that's just Tuesday to us how can you get yourself back up and running because the rest of the world isn't stopping for you? When we talk about security and defense, do you feel comfortable in your home on any given evening? Do you feel that you have reinforced your doors, your windows, your entry points? Do you have a communication plan with the people in the house so that if something is going on downstairs and somebody is breaking in, you're not going down there with a baseball bat or a fireplace poker like they do in the movies, thinking that you're all of a sudden going to be the hero of the day? Because you don't know what kind of weaponry those people have walked into your home with. Because this community is clearly the one that enjoys being prepared, like in other shows when I have to preface guns and that nature. I understand that this is very much a topic that we can discuss here. I don't own a gun, but I'm very much looking forward to owning a gun once I've been trained on how to handle a gun. I don't want to have to shoot somebody who came into my home. It is not. I don't wake up and be like, boy, I really hope I, my house gets broken into today. I'd love nothing more than to shoot somebody and then have to deal with that aftermath and that tragedy. No. No. The majority of people who own weaponry, whether it be guns or knives or even nunchucks, are not waking up every day thinking, boy, I really hope I get to use this on somebody today. But if they own them, then they get trained in them and they are prepared to use them. I watch these shows all the time where the criminals come in and inevitably have a bigger weapon, a more powerful weapon than the person in the home. And I don't think a lot of criminals are going and and getting specialized trainings in their weapon of choice when they break into our house. So I don't think it takes a tremendous amount of effort to have more training than the nefarious, inept thief who breaks into my house looking to take some things and sell them at the local pawn shop. And to a T... When I have talked to people who have a lot of weaponry, gun experience, firearm experience, they have been trained in how to handle a gun, keeping it aimed downrange at all times, You know, how to set it down, um, removing the clip, breaking it down, cleaning it, storing it to a T. I have never, I will say a universal quantifier in this manner, I have never talked to somebody who has a lot of skilled training in the use of firearms, who has not put a tremendous amount of emphasis on the safety of owning it, holding it, and using it. Even when my dad was showing me how to use a shotgun when we were kids, so we could go dunk and deer hunting. Did I say dunk? I meant to say duck and deer hunting. He was just legitimately focused on the safety. Walking around with the shotgun open so that it's bent in half. If, I mean, most of you all probably have experience in this, so you might think I'm just you know, I'm preaching to the choir. But for those of you who have not really ever handled a shotgun, and you're a hunter, generally you open it up so that it's no longer closed and could go off. But if there's bullets in the chamber, then you just open it up and you can carry it that way. And that's how my dad showed me to first carry a shotgun over one of my arms, like it was like literally. You're just, it's I, I can it's muscle memory. That's how much he he drilled it into me. So if you want to get a weapon in your life, if you want to handle a firearm, then this is an amazing opportunity for you to go get training. And more than likely, you've got people in your lives who'd be willing to do it. And if you don't, you should join AmericanContingency.com and join one of your local chapters, because I guarantee you, those people would be more than excited to introduce somebody else to the safety, uh, handling, and usage of firearms. Because it's something to think about. It is absolutely something to think about because I don't know how fast somebody on the other end of that phone will come if I need help. And what's really interesting, and I know I'm not trying to make this episode too long, nor do I really want to stick on the firearms thing too long, but when things go down in our lives and we go to call the authorities, one of the reasons they're the authorities is because they have guns, they have been trained in how to use guns. Hey, uh, something very bad's going on in my life and I need protected. I'm going to call somebody who has been trained in how to use a firearm. But well, what if you live way out in the woods? Or what if there's a lot of other people who need the emergency services at the time? So now you're 11th on the list. Are you prepared to be your own first responder? That's a huge thing we talk about, and we'll continue until we hammer it, hammer it, hammer it home. We want everybody to be less reliant on infrastructure. Now, this isn't necessarily a, you know, uh, uh, get up on a soapbox against the government, because it's not necessarily being less reliant on the government, although I believe that many of us probably do believe in that kind of uh, philosophy, But it's the infrastructure that they provide that we want us less reliant on. Because if things go sideways and everybody around us is in need, I want to be somebody who can take care of my own needs. If I'm standing on the street corner waiting for somebody to drive by and throw water out and food out of their window just because they're feeling generous and nice, I'll be standing out there a long, long time. And when the FEMA lines, the first aid or the, or the American Red Cross lines show up, there'll be a lot of people in those lines. Is that really where I want to find myself? Around a humongous crowd of people desperately in need of water, food, and provisions, being in a scarcity mindset and overly emotional. And those are the big cataclysmic ones. But again, let's reel it in and just talk about any given Tuesday. Just because you're in need on any given Tuesday does not mean that the rest of the world's going to stop to help you. You want to have your own ways of helping yourself. This is why we talk about income and economics so much. Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have diversified income streams in case something happens to one of yours? I run a sobriety and recovery tribe, and recently uh, one of them uh, lost their workplace because the fires in Canada jumped the lake and burned down an entire area where her job was located. Luckily, she does have diversified income streams, so she's not as bad off as she would have been otherwise. She had to evacuate her home. She's staying with her parents. She's displaced for a period of time. This is a big one that a lot of people will be going through. So the community at large will be empathetic to the plight of all of these individuals who lost these things. But if your job just shuts down because of remodeling or because it has a kitchen fire or because an accident happens and they have to shut it down for three days to do an investigation, do you have other ways of making sure that you are financially stable? In a world where the internet feeds us information at an extremely, like we have every single thing that humanity has ever known at the tip of our fingers, most people have an idea of a side hustle they'd like to get into. You could be doing that as well. And of course, there's the financial planning, you know, just to make sure that when retirement comes, we're prepared for those kind of things. Because again, the world's not going to stop for us if we have to work till we're 75 because we didn't think about things when we were 40 and 50. We have so many different ways of just making sure that our own lives are being taken care of. And one of the things we stress a lot here at American Contingency is this idea of community leadership. I believe everybody's a leader. Do you have friends? Congratulations, you're a leader. Do you have a family? Congratulations, you're a leader. Do you have a job? Boom, you're a leader once again. Are you in a group of more than you and people are asking you questions? Congratulations, you're a leader. We have leadership opportunities every single day. So we can be joining preparedness groups, organizing preparedness workshops. I, in college, was writing for the school newspaper, and whenever hurricanes would roll through, I would go do the stories on the disaster relief. And American Red Cross would set up a bunch of tents and stuff and give you know free provisions to college students because most of us were just drunk all the time, so we didn't think about water and food. And one of the cool things that came from that was not only was once I had enough information for the story, I wanted to stick around and see how everything went, I would just start to volunteer and be actively involved in what was going on. Because sitting there in a chair watching other people work just never jived with me. My dad always told me, if you're somewhere, you might as well be useful. So I would get involved. And all of a sudden, I got to realize what people who have been trained in disaster relief do in the event of providing disaster relief. And then I was able to take that information home with me and be like, man, guys, we really need to have more than just a keg on ice in the refrigerator and a bunch of packs of smokes in the drawer. Like, we need to be a little bit more prepared than that. And on any given day, do you have your life figured out in such a way that you can move through some of these minor annoyances? The situational self-awareness isn't just for when we're at malls or we're at movie theaters and knowing where exits are. It's understanding the kind of awareness we can have in all these different kinds of situations. Recently, I got something in the mail. I'll get out of here on this. I did not realize that my Blue Cross Blue Shield, who is my insurance provider, uh, has something called Air Medical Services, and they will literally fly me in an airplane or a helicopter if I get injured and I cannot be transported via an ambulance somewhere quickly because I need that much of medical assistance. I remember when I rode my motorcycle that summer across the country, 12,000 miles through 30, (coughs) excuse me, 29 states that somebody along the way was like, do you have helicopter insurance? I was like, never even heard of it. They're like, yeah, for like 50 bucks a year, you can get uh, helicopter insurance. So if you have an accident somewhere, then they will be able to lifeline you to the nearest hospital in a helicopter. And this is really important. You should think into it. And I remember reading up into it, and I stopped riding my motorcycle years ago. But at the same time, I always thought, wow, I should probably get helicopter insurance. Just for $50, that just sounds like something I definitely want to have. For any given Tuesday when something might go sideways and it's like, am I prepared to get help at the most extreme level so I'm not looking at a $20,000 helicopter bill when I come out of this emergency? This is why we have health insurance. Because we never know when we're going to need it, but we sure as heck want to know that we have it. Same with car insurance. I've been paying car insurance for like a decade and never had to call these people up with a claim. But if something happens to my little Santa Fe, I want to know that it's taken care of. We can be practicing mindfulness. We can be enhancing our observation skills. We can be implementing daily situational awareness routines. You know, one of my coolest things I like to do is just play observation games and challenge myself to notice, you know, all the people wearing yellow or everybody looking down at their phone or how many dogs are in the park, just to keep my senses extremely keen because you just never know in this day and age. Whenever you might be somewhere where a shooting goes down or where an accident happens, are you the person who jumps to the ground and stays there, or are you the person who's able to jump to the ground and stay there, you know, we're all thinking about our initial safety, and then getting up and being of service to the people around? And again, I know I've been jumping back and forth between these cataclysmic, catastrophic events and these any given Tuesday events, but that's sort of the point, is that we never know which is coming. Again, we see hurricanes, we see thunderstorms, we see some of these from a mile away. Then other ones just happen, and they set our life off a tizzy for days upon days upon days. As we move into... National Preparedness Month over here at American Contingency. We're going to be doing some lives over on social media. I'm not sure if they're going to be on YouTube or Facebook yet. We haven't quite figured out the platform, but that's not important. If you're a member of American Contingency, you will absolutely find out. If you're following us on any of our social media channels, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram at American Contingency. We also have a My Ready Plan Instagram account. If you are new to the preparedness game, absolutely go to myreadyplan.com where you can take a little quiz that will help you figure out how prepared you are for what can happen in your area. This is a great way to just get launched into the system and obviously you'll get an opportunity to join join American Contingency. I'm not going to turn this into a long sales pitch here, but seriously, for like 10 bucks to be able to have all this information, to have all these people, to have these trainings, to have access to the blogs that talk about a tremendous amount of this stuff. And some of it is the basic knowledge. And some of it is much more in depth. It just depends because we want to meet everybody where they're at. And in its National Preparedness Month, you might be somebody who's extremely prepared. And if you go throwing a shopping list at them with 100 items on it, you're going to freak them out. And they're not going to do anything. So be thinking about just a few items within each. That you could have. What if the electricity went out? Would you have a heating source? Would you have a metal pan that you could boil water on? Would you have some of those really delicious treats that you like to have that just make you feel comfortable? Do you have a transistor radio that will allow you to hear what's going on around? Do you have other means and methods of taking care of your normal day-to-day life? We're going to be covering a tremendous amount of this stuff over on our website for National Preparedness Month. We're going to be bringing you live throughout the month of September, as well as there's always going to be more podcasts coming where we're going to be talking about amazing information. So make sure if you haven't already, subscribe, hit those notifications, make sure that you go in, give us some comments where the app that you listen on allows that. Go find us over on Facebook at American Contingency. We have a private group over there where you can really be involved in the conversations that we get started around this. There's a tons of ways to be involved, but you have to step up, raise your hand, and click that button so that we know you exist. From there, we'll help you take care of things. Because that's really the goal here, is to help you go from a certain level of uncertainty to some level of certainty. And when you're ready to build the skills, the network, and the confidence to be ready for whatever comes next... You can join us at AmericanContingency.com. Have a great National Preparedness Month. I can't wait to see you over on our lives, at our next podcast, over on the blogs. Make sure you leave a comment when you see the name Jesse Mogul because I'm the one who writes the blogs. As always, it has been an honor and a privilege to have your ears for the last 40 minutes. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.